Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, wonderful, intelligent, very hardworking, <laughs> Encanto-loving oh, wife yeah. and co-host, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. Hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Sunday, January 30th. 2022 we are at the very very end of january this month is just flown by that's exactly the sound it makes (laughs) well it's crazy i know i don't understand still bizarre to me that this month has gone so quickly right i guess just so much has happened in one month there is a lot happening and that is something that we will talk about in the Mm -hmm. future can't talk about it yet though but we will be talking about it in the future for today's show we appreciate that you joined us today in the future you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts however the very best place to find us is on our own website hyperionadventurespodcast.com and while you're there we'd love you to sign up for our newsletter please sign up for the newsletter we had some interesting things happen on the newsletter this week Yeah, put something out there for you to vote on only newsletter and and patreons that's right and for those of you who are part of our patreon members and those of you who are part of the newsletter you voted and the new disney dishes recipe that is coming up soon will be the cider braised mussels which michelle is very happy about because she loves mussels so the force worked and maybe we'll do another one of those or two of those that were suggested out there as well but that is the winner so that is one of the ones we'll be doing first either this week or next week and we'll get that recipe out there to you so excited and thank you for everybody who participated that's awesome yes yes thank you very much and thank you for all of you who have subscribed to the newsletter just another way to be involved in the hyperion adventures podcast world as we just mentioned another great way is to follow us on social media we're on twitter at hyperion podcast facebook instagram and pinterest at hyperion adventures podcast if you are on facebook come on over and join us for the good facebook fun that we're having in our facebook group the hyperion adventurers facebook group exactly i love that group they're just so they're such warm people and they share some great stories and we just are so thrilled that it's taken off yeah we just have some good positive disney energy going through yeah. that site that's all it is just exactly. like what we want the show to be we want that group to be and that's the way we've kept it so far and we're really enjoying our time there that's right yes uh also you can find us on youtube uh, just do a quick search for hyperion adventures podcast hit subscribe and you'll know whenever we have a new video there and if you ever want to email us for any reason please hit us up at our gmail account hyperion adventures podcast at gmail.com that's right we love hearing from you whether it's just to say hi give us some feedback about the show or whatever. Thank you for those of you who have dropped lines from time to time, and we certainly appreciate hearing from you. We do. We really appreciate it. No matter what the reason is, if you have a topic suggestion for us, if you have a comment on something we've done within the show, if you want to comment on something we're doing on a show that's coming up in the future, or if you just want to say hi, uh, the Gmail account is a perfect way, along with anything through all these social media accounts or whatever. Again, we just want to hear from you because you guys are part of the show. Right. And that's the way we get to 
understand how this is being received. Right. Another way, way to figure out how this is being received is through reviews. We love reviews. Yeah. They help us in so many ways. One, they let us know how we're doing with our show, but also great reviews help other people find this show. There's an algorithm, something that I don't understand <laughs> At all. How do you not? <laughs> but the more great, especially five-star reviews this show gets, the more it comes up when people search for like Disney uh, podcasts that they might want to listen to. And we did get another great review. Actually, it was two weeks ago. Like I said, I couldn't find it last week. I told you this on last week's episode. However, we did find it this week. Also, the person that did it sent it to us to make sure that we had it. <laughs> yes. uh, so here is that five-star review. It was entitled... Disney positivity and feel good factor. Aww. And here's the review. Uh, she said, you won't find a more positive, friendly couple than Tom and Michelle. Their weekly podcast covers all things Disney from Walt Disney World to Disneyland to Disney Cruise Line to Disney Plus and more, including their love of Marvel. We all know things have changed at Disney since COVID and some not for the better. However, they don't dwell on that at all. This podcast focuses on the positives of Disney and is great fun, full of interesting information and hosted by a really friendly couple. Give it a try. You won't be sorry and that's from s webs aka sue in the uk thank you Yay, sue thank you sue really really appreciate those kind words yes. way, way too sweet we we thank We're you so, so very much yes uh thank you Goosebumps. so much so yeah, yeah that's very nice love all the reviews if you drop us a review we will read it on an upcoming show that's as well right yes so another great way to support this show is we have a couple of places where you can get some of our swag, some of our merchandise, some of our logo gear. Uh, one is through our Spreadshirt shop. Uh, if you want to find us there, you can go to our Linktree account. That's probably the easiest way to do it. It's listed there and you can click on it. Uh, but you can also go to Spreadshirt.com. Look, do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast and our stuff will come up. All our different logos on various different items, shirts, yes, but coffee, mugs, water bottles, all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, we get a portion of everything that you purchase from that site and you get to, you know, rep this show, which right. is cool. Or do like we did, get the jammies. Get the jammies, those <laughs> fun jammies as well. You can get them with the Christmas logo and your whole family can dress up Hyperion Adventures for next year's Christmas. <laughs> That's right. Just like we did. Who wouldn't want to? Who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> Totally makes sense for every family out there. <laughs> right. Also, another way is to become a Patreon member, as Michelle talked about a little bit earlier. They got to vote on mm -hmm. uh, the Disney dish for the week this week as well. Uh, if you want to become a Patreon member, just go to patreon.com slash Hyperion Adventures podcast. Uh, we have tiers starting as low as $2 per month. Uh, you get some swag through that, uh, some other interesting things, a shout out on the show, all sorts of stuff out there for you. If you will be helpful enough to support us, on through that platform as well right and as we've talked about uh this year in 2020 our patreons are going to actually be invited to actually participate i said actually like two or three times in that sentence you actually did i actually did our patrons will be invited to participate in our shows not just in the topic selection uh but also actually being able to be featured on our show and they will actually be a part of the show <laughs> right. which is actually really really cool oh, gosh. <laughs> I think I may have just found my favorite oh my thing God. for this week. Please. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, uh, we will be having you a part in some upcoming shows. Michelle has them all plotted out, and we'll be reaching out to you very, very soon to try and schedule uh, those episodes mm-hmm. with you in the very near future. Now, let's start moving on to the next week. But first, we have to take that one look back at the week that was, because we always feel, you know, no matter how you feel about that week, you know, it can be a roller coaster sometimes. There's highs, there's lows, whatever, but there's always those positive things that we like to bring out of every single week, because almost every week, there is something positive to come out of it. And so we like to share our favorite things from the previous week. So let's go to Michelle first, because, you know, we always do because she's great, (laughs) wonderful. Or to give yourself time to think. She's actually (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Uh, But let's find out what her favorite thing is from this week. All right. Well, um, I think mine is, it's kind of a little thing, but it was just, it brought me joy is the new episode that came out this week of Book of Boba Fett. Yes. I don't want to do any spoilers in case people aren't up to date, but it had a particular um, member show up from an another series, and it just was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> 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 Michelle said it was her favorite episode of the Book of Boba Fett so far. Yeah, we had to watch it a couple times. Yes. Actually. <laughs> so I think the first time we've we've watched, um, I think every episode at least twice so far. But this was the first one, like the next night, like, Michelle, you know, we, we got to do, we got to rewatch that episode. <laughs> that was really, really good. Uh, yes. So, yes, uh, that was, and that was going to be my favorite thing for this week, too, because oh. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of cool stuff in it, a lot of, uh, Easter eggs involved mm-hmm. in it through various different pieces of the Star Wars universe that were a lot of fun, various time periods, etc. cetera. Uh, you're really going to enjoy it, I think, if you haven't seen it yet. If you've already seen it, you know what we're talking about, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, a couple other things that I really like this week uh, with the NFL playoff games right, from the last I was weekend. Say football. We haven't reached the games yet today. We were recording this uh, on Sunday morning before the games start, but last weekend's game, like every one of them went down to the very last right. play, which yeah, was crazy. It was so exciting. Yes. So that was that was kind of cool, and you know, and also, I mean, our episode is in Kanto this week. I have to say, one of my favorite things from this week is diving deeply into the music and just re-listening to it uh, so much this week, and even getting a better appreciation for it because that sure. soundtrack is amazing, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, it's actually fantastic. It's actually awesome. <laughs> so great. So actually, let's get to this week's stuff. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including more exciting entertainment is getting set to actually return to the Walt Disney World Resort. We'll tell you what that is. And we received news of an exciting set of theme cruises that will once again be setting sail aboard the Disney Cruise Line, actually in 2023. <laughs> and we'll tell you what that is as well. But let's and actually I have a new get story. To, oh, Michelle to give actually today has too. a story. Yeah. Michelle has one. You know, her stories are always the best. Story, yeah. So we'll be excited for that later on. But let's actually get to our main topic of the week. Yes, this week's episode, as you may have already gotten out of what we've talked about already, is all about Encanto. We're going to do a, an exploration of Encanto because the more we've watched this film, the more we've listened to the soundtrack, really the more we've really appreciated this movie. Yeah, it is really... <laughs> Oh my God. It's actually it's really amazing. Yeah, I was going to say really because it's, you just said it. Oh my God. 
<laughs> if you're a first time listener, we don't always have such challenges with talking. But yeah, we do. <laughs> I do. You don't usually. Anyways, I do. No, you're right. This is an amazing, very special film um, and worthy of the deep dive. And I'm appreciative that this was your deep dive. Yeah, week, so, so beware, because I'm the one who's doing the research on this piece <laughs> this week. So Michelle always does the best job with research. Right. I'm the one who went into this one because uh, I think Encanto really struck a chord with me. So um, I was looking forward to diving into it. And that's what we're going to do. So, you know, it's been a couple of months since this film debuted. Mm-hmm. It came out actually in the theaters in November, then just about a month later, it went to Disney Plus. Right. So it's been out for about two months now where people had a chance to watch it. So um, we are going to go full on spoilers. Like we are going through the movie here. So if you have not watched Encanto yet and you don't want to know what happens in it and some of the details, stop this down right now. Go watch it and then come back and right. listen to this <laughs> and then go watch it again because hopefully this is going to give you a better look into this film. That's true. So yes. I just wanted to let you know. Anyway, this movie has quickly really become, and especially since I think it hit Disney Plus, I think it was fairly popular when it was in theaters, mm-hmm. but when it hit Disney Plus, it like caught fire. Um, it's been really amazing to right. watch it. It's talked about all over social media all the time. Um, the way the the soundtrack is climbing the charts is pretty much Phenomenal, unprecedented right. for a Disney film. It's really, really crazy yes. what's going on. Yeah, and, and it's deservedly getting that attention. Right. So the album is number one currently, as we talk about this on uh, Sunday, January 30th, uh, number one on Billboard's um, album list, right. you know, top 100 albums or whatever it is. Uh, it's been up there a couple of times. It went up to number one, dipped for a second, came back to number one. But even more incredible than that is that there are seven songs from the soundtrack that are currently, as of this week, on the Billboard Hot 100. Five of those are in the top 50. Wow. Two of those are in the top 10. That is number two, which is We Don't Talk About Bruno, <laughs> which is the highest that any anime, any song that was actually sung within the by the cast within the film itself right. has ever reached for a Disney animated film. There have been some of the the pop songs that you know, you know they kind of usually play in the in credits. the credits near the end mm-hmm. that have reached number one. But uh, this is the highest that uh, the cast actually singing it with the, the song that is with actually right. in the Came film the movie yes. has reached number two. Also, surface pressure is up at number ten right Ooh. now. So two two top ten hits. Nice. That's pretty incredible. So why is this film stuck such a chord struck such a chord with people? You know, I mean, is it uh, the plot? Is it the characters? Is it the mu- music? Is it the animation? What is it? We're going to discuss all, all of that. The above. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> We're going to discuss all that and tell and see if we can figure out what really has made this film such a huge hit and struck so many people, you know, hit home with so many people. Right. There's well, I'm and I'm sure you're going to be bringing it up, but it it is a film that there is some relatability for so for everybody yes. at some point. Yes, we're going to definitely dive into that because I think that is a huge part of why it's been so beloved so quickly and so we'll we'll definitely explore that. So, we're going to go ahead again, spoilers. Be ready. We're going right to the beginning of the film and that is, you know, we meet the Madrigal family right off the bat. They are this kind of enchanted family. By the way, Encanto in Spanish means enchanted or enchantment, essentially. Mm-hmm. So just so you know what that is kind of means. Um, what well, we find out through the help of the protagonist, we learn about this family and what all their 
incredible abilities are. And they do that through a, a wonderful song that gets us started pretty much near the very beginning of this movie, which is the family Madrigal. And so we're going to go, as we go through this uh, recapture of uh, this recount of this film, we are going to explore the music, uh, some of it, how it leads into characters and the storyline as well. But also we have Lin-Manuel Miranda here with us because we told you <laughs> Lin was going to join us at some point uh, to help us talk through uh, some of the, what his process was into writing the songs, what his thought, pro what he thought of when he made these songs. So I think that might, you know, make some of them more interesting to you more or more than, I mean, they're great to listen to, but if you kind of know what he has behind them, right. I think there's some things that are going to really blow your mind. I know there are a couple of things that blew my mind when I heard them him right. talk about this. Right. Actually, Lynn is not really joining us. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> Lynn sometime, hopefully you'll be willing to join us and talk about this stuff uh, in person. But we got this from a couple of things. There were some vignettes that were kind of behind the scenes of uh, the of uh, the making of Encanto and there he had made an appearance on uh, Sirius XM uh, right. kind of going through the soundtrack and so a lot of this is taken from those couple of places and how he, how he talked about uh, some of these songs so let's go ahead and take a peek at the first song uh, which was the family madrigal the Family Madrigal is the first song I wrote for Disney's Encanto, and I was really inspired by Belle, uh, the opening number from Beauty and the Beast. I really knew we needed to introduce Mirabelle, her incredible intergenerational family, um, everything they can do and how powerful they are and all their different specific gifts and this incredible town. Um, that's a lot for a song to do. Uh, so I, you know, I, I wanted to write it first. I wanted to lay it out really super clearly uh, with a cool beat that you can dance to. I also was really excited to put the accordion, which is so important in Colombian music, uh, at the center of a Disney opening number. Um, you know, Mirabelle may not have a magical gift, um, but she can wail on an accordion. Welcome to the family, Madrigal, the home of the family, Madrigal. We're on our way, where all the people are fantastical and magical. I'm part of the family, Madrigal. One section in the middle that I wrote it as if I were writing a horn line. That I got that That would sound great on trumpet, but I have Steph going. So Steph, that you heard him mention there, that is Stephanie Beatriz, who actually plays the is the voice of. Uh, Mirabelle right there uh, but such a fun song and a great introduction to you learning this entire family that is you know really has these incredible abilities right I mean you know it that seems to be Lin-Manuel's style like he said he he noted it in Beauty and the Beast which he didn't write but I mean he noted that but when you think of Hamilton that very intro song he is laying out the you know the whole lot of the the play and who some of the main characters are right so you get it's it's really good exposition right off the bat uh just through this song as to who all the players are going to be and taking part in this and so we're going to take a look at many of the family members for the family madrigal and of course we start with our protagonist which is mirabelle right who didn't get a gift, apparently, unlike the rest of her family, or did she? What is that? What's in regards to that? But that is a big driving factor into what goes on with the story. Right. Yes, because in the in the film, 
and I don't know that it's really specifically said, I, I did a little bit of research myself too, that uh, with this family, when a child becomes age five mm-hmm. is when they would be, you know, kind of have their, their coming out ceremony to be introduced to their door. Right. That's when the magic would happen. They receive their gift, uh, right. essentially, which is uh, kind of given by this um, enchanted candle that uh, came, apart, came apart of the family uh, back in the day as uh, the family members were escaping uh, this violence that was going on within Colombia. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll talk a little bit about that later on in this episode. But uh, the matriarch of the family is Abuela Alma, who uh, basically was given this gift and has passed it on to her triplet children and their and their children, her grandchildren, mm-hmm. as they went along. We'll get into her definitely later on in this. Uh, some other characters that I want to get into here, uh, Julieta and Augustine, uh, who are Mirabel's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julieta is, uh, she has the power, her gift is the power to heal with her food. Right. So she is basically, you know, she cooks up an arepa and uh, hands it to somebody who has a broken arm right. or a cut or whatever, and uh, it heals immediately, which is pretty incredible. And it kind of shows the, you know, it's kind of a, a symbolism of the healing factor that food is just in general. You right, know? right. That, that is a good point. Yeah. Um, and also interesting that she, you know, the, the, the husbands of the, the two daughters, um, they don't get a gift. So interesting that she married someone who seems to get injured all the time and <laughs> particularly around bees all the time, right, you know, right. and he has body parts, his nose, his ear swells up, his hands swell up. Right. So constantly needing to be healed, you know, so yeah, interesting that they are, were drawn together. Right, right. And like you said, you know, the spouses of, you know, the, the children did not get gifts. However, in the story, you're kind of seeing some of the storyline through their eyes. Mm-hmm. So. And they do kind of have a gift, but not in a technical gift given like the door given way. Right. Um, like I said, you know, it's kind of, that inspires uh, Julieta to go ahead and keep cooking these things because she needs to keep healing her husband who keeps <laughs> getting stung by bees, apparently. So uh, meanwhile, Mirabel's sisters are Isabella and Luisa. We will definitely be getting into them in a little bit here. Uh, on the other side of the family, um, there is Peppa and Felix, who are Mirabel's aunt and uncle. Uncle, I can say that. Uh, Tia Peppa controls the weather with her thoughts. Um, she tends to be a little on the stormy side with her <laughs> thoughts, it seems like. So there tend to be more cloudy, rainy days than there tend to be sunshiny days. Right, right. It's, yeah, kind of mood driven. Yes. Um, so it's really interesting that Tio Felix uh, tends to be a very grounding factor for her you know he's kind of an outgoing jovial guy and is there to kind of ease her as things seem to go steer a little darker trying to steer a little stormy um and again an interesting pairing there nice balance yes a nice balance Uh, so uh that's very well said perfectly done so uh then we have mirabel's cousins who all have their own powers some we get to explore a little more than others we don't really get in depth with them significantly um but they are a good portion of this film uh dolores who has this incredible hearing she can hear this chorus a mile away you know right (laughs) And the funny thing is about her personality, too, that I enjoyed in the film is she's a gossiper. Yes. So of all people to be a gossiper is somebody who hears everything. Everything. (laughs) You know, it's like, really? You couldn't have the person who's, you know, big into 
being gossipy is, you know, maybe she's out of out of the the know from time to time, but no, she's she hears it all. Yep, she hears it all, and that could be a gift. Obviously, it's a gift, but it's also a bit of a burden. The fact that you have to hear everything that's right. going on in town all the time, and we don't know if it's selective, if she can choose to hear when she wants to, or if it's just always there, laid out for her, right. or what. But it, it she hears these things that are no one else can hear or from a very far away when no one even knows she's around. And in some ways, you know, I kind of look at it as like, um, did she, this fact that she's done that, that she's always having to put things out there that she always ends up knowing so much has that kind of kept it where she knows everything that's going on, but doesn't really know herself really well and what she can accomplish and maybe doesn't feel comfortable going after the things that she wants. Could be. So, yeah. um, we kind of see that play out in there. So you are going to delve into some of why these powers are there. Um, well, I mean, the, the thing about some of these powers like them, um, I don't think they get laid out as easily as some of the ones that we're going to go through more in depth a little bit later on. Most of the ones that are laid out in with characters with songs revolved around them really are playing an important part in the story. Not mm-hmm. that these don't. Right. They do definitely play within the plot in many ways. But um, I think that the characters we're going to talk about that have songs either sung by them, written about them, whatever. Um, That is where we're going to really delve more into these characters. All right. Yeah. Um, Camilo, who unfortunately we know very little about other than he's the kind, he is, he is a shapeshifter. Essentially he can become all these different people um, when he wants to be. Right. Which is great for comedy factor within this film, but it doesn't really play, you don't really learn a lot about him. But I do kind of correlate the fact that he shapeshifts into all these different people, then maybe he's like your average teenager who, you know, or you know, somebody who's reaching their late teens, early 20s that doesn't really want to know what they want to be, what they want to become, True. you know, takes on all these different personas right. and, um, you know, still needs to work on themselves to kind of become that person that they will eventually be. Right, right. That they, they think maybe acceptance comes through being more like somebody else rather right. than themselves. Yeah, until they finally nail down what they want to be, who they want to become right. later on. So um, that could be said about Mirabelle too as well. She's trying to fight through who she wants to be who she is, mm-hmm. who she wants to become through this. Uh, then there's the youngest, Antonio, who just turned five. He gets his gift right near the beginning of the right. movie. Um, he His gift is he can talk to animals. Now, um, this is really interesting because if you see him at the beginning of the film, he's very shy, very nervous about mm-hmm. the whole process, uh, going through it. Uh, seems like he's just been in the nursery there with Mirabelle, um, not really getting out, you know, going out with friends as far as we can tell. Mm-hmm. He may have a difficult time making friends because he's so shy. And the fact that it's this ease comes to talk with animals suddenly opens up this whole brand new world of friends that right. come to visit him and talk with him because, you know, they, 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 it's so easy for them and they don't, you normally get to talk with humans. And so he can tell all his family members and the townspeople what these animals are thinking and everything. So right. he, this gift given to him opens up a brand new world of friendship for him that he may have not had because of his, his shyness. Right. That's true. I think too, that they, you know, they hint on there that, there's the fear, what if his experience is like what Maribel's experience was in that if he doesn't get a gift, you know, being that different from the family, 
being, you know, kind of secluded still in, you know, the nursery. I mean, here's Mirabelle, you know, a, a teenager and she's, you know, kind of secluded into a nursery type setting. Yeah. Um, she didn't get a bedroom. She's still stuck in the nursery. Yeah. yeah. So, so. Um, and yeah, that could be, we doesn't get addressed as to whether he knows at that point, uh, you know, obviously he knows Mirabelle is still there, doesn't have a gift, right? but does he know that uh, there's been a lot of kind of disdain for the fact that she didn't get a gift, you know, that uh, there's been some concern in the house that, you know, maybe he won't get a gift. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But either way, you can tell um, he has some issues with getting out there. Right, um, right. So, so, and then, of course, there's also Mirabelle's uncle Bruno, who we won't talk about <laughs> yet. No, no, no. But we will definitely get to him. Believe me, we need yeah. to get to Bruno for sure. So as I mentioned, we're going to use songs of this film to explore the characters and the struggles as they're going through them. And we'll start with the star, Mirabelle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about she didn't get a gift. It was a big a whole cele uh, ceremony uh, going to get the door and then it just faded away and you know and you could see her being distraught and actually so was Abuela Alma right. was yeah. distraught by the whole thing wondering what's going on um, so there was very much concerned and then when Antonio gets his gift um, they go and they take this picture and just kind of forgot that she was there right you yeah know? I, I don't think it was intentional but yet it kind of struck a chord because that's the way she feels. It kind of played out as she feels in her head right, that right, I yeah. don't fit in with this family. What's going on? Right. Because you think with most family pictures, they'll say, oh, wait a minute, you know, so-and-so come in the picture. And and that didn't seem to happen. Right. You know. So, you know, we learn that we see that she's had this struggle, um, that she's going through some difficult times, especially with Abuela Alma. And um, this, this difficulty that she's having finding herself really shows up in the next song, Waiting on a Miracle. Waiting on a Miracle is Mirabelle's yearning to belong. The rhythm of that is in three. It's three stringed instruments playing in sort of a waltz time. It's just a different beat. She's literally out of beat with the rest of her family. character and suddenly you know her better from the inside. So just a classic I want song as you would expect from any really good musical um, waiting on a miracle. Yeah. I mean, when I think of this song um, and, and when I talked about it at the beginning of relatability, uh, as we think back of our, our youth when we were adolescents and that feeling that you really needed to fit in. You didn't want to necessarily be different. I mean, you might have wanted to, you know, shine here or there, but, but you wanted to feel a part, a part of, you know, what your friends were or, or your family or whatever. And that isolation from that is 
something that we all felt at some point. And I think that's where we get that relatability with, with Maribel, you know, and, and we kind of seen this same type of feeling in Mulan where, you know, she's not feeling like she fit in, you know, she, you know, went for the ceremony and didn't do well um, to, you know, be labeled as the potential perfect bride, you know, and it, it's that struggle of how can I prove myself, you know, and, you know, and there's some other films that have done that too. Yeah. That where you know you're, you know, you have Dumbo, who's considered kind of very, like freaky. Because yes, because of the giant, giant ears. Giant ears, yeah. you know, and Pinocchio wanting to be a real boy, not just a puppet, puppet. boy. Yes. So yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it's, uh, it's a it's a trope that's been around for many many films, but um, I think they really struck a chord with this one. By the way, uh, Stephanie Beatriz, who voices again uh, Mirabelle there, and Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel talking about how uh, the song is off is in a kind of in a different beat and showing that that means that you know obviously Mirabelle is not in the same step with right. her family. I it blew my mind. I'm like. Lynn, yeah, <laughs> you do this to her all the time. It's incredible when I hear you talk about music. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I find Mirabelle is, as you were already talking about, she's incredibly relatable to mm-hmm. so many people, including myself, and I'm sure to you as well. Because right. um, whether it's family, friends, work, we all have those occasional struggles to fit in. Right. We just, you know, we feel like... An, Everything you do isn't being recognized the way it should be. You're right. trying hard. You're, you know, maybe, okay, I'm not getting here. I'm not getting this done. I'm, I'm doing all this work, but my bosses don't, you know, give me any recognition for it. We all go right. through it in right. some sure. way, shape or form. And I just feel like we can all relate to that feeling that Mirabelle is going through at that moment. Most definitely. Good point. Um, but one thing I find with Mirabelle is that, and we talked about this a little bit, even though she doesn't have an official gift, she definitely has one that she discovers kind of throughout this film. One is her empathy. Uh, she's, she can kind of get with different characters and feel what they feel, right. understand them. Uh, and that's why I think that she has, she's kind of got this vision to look into these characters, see what their issues are. And kind of help talk them through it and make them feel a little better about it. Right. I mean, I love the symbolism that they use in the film where everything else is like stop motion except for her. And I think that exemplifies, like you're saying, her her skill to be able to really look at something and to, you know, analyze it. It's, it's She has that. And we see that in a couple different episodes parts of that uh, film where she everything else has stopped and she's really you know becoming a part of looking at what's going on and why is it going on and how is it affecting her and it's it's you know the use of lighting and and things like that it's just very unique that that's a really good point if you go back and watch the film in a lot of these songs um what happens is that the whoever is singing it is is performing the story and then Mirabelle is just kind of in there like a dream, like watching right. the dream happen around her. So that's kind of her glimpse into this world of what's going on right. with this person, with this family member. So yeah. really good point, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, the first discovery of exactly that happening is with her sister, Louisa, who is the super strong one. She has this incredible strength and is dependent on basically by her family and the town in general to kind of get 
fix all the problems of the town. Right. And while she has been a great benefit to this town and to the Madrigal family, uh, she's also struggling because she is also very, very protective of her family because she knows that she's the strong one. Um, she gets concerned, like, what if I can't? What if I can't be strong enough? What if I can't shoulder the weight that's right. on me? What happens to my family then? What happens to the town then? What happens to La Casita then? Right, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting how they, you know, utilize strength, like actual brute strength and uh, ability as total symbolism for the fact of somebody who can just, you know, take on their shoulders. Like she would put things, carry things on her shoulders and and, and that's, a feeling that people have in in a family like oh I, I'm having to take this on or like you said even in in life settings of work oh, I got to take this on this is this is on my shoulders and yes. you know how am I going to do well what if I'm not successful yeah a lot of what we're going to talk about with this film is everything is on the surface and including the song surface pressure everything is on the surface is happening you see the family a certain way but there are a lot of things going on within everybody just as there are with all of us out right, there again right. this is why this this movie is incredibly relatable is because you can see somebody in person on Instagram anywhere in social media and see this is going on but you really never know what's going on inside of them until you really delve deeply into right, it right that's true that something could look so perfect on you know in what you know and we are we're always right we're always trying to show ourselves in our best light mm -hmm. and you know like you said on Instagram etc that that's what we're trying to portray but it's like under the surface. Yes. 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 So, you know, and the, the problem with Louisa is because the she fact she's so protective of her family, she's so strong, she feels the need to take all this weight on, she never says no to anything because she feels if she says no to something, then something bad might happen. Or if she takes a break, something bad might happen. And then where's the or family? Just that they might not see her worth too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that always plays a part of it as well. Yeah. So, but you know, so this all plays it as a part as to her struggle to get by on a day in and day out basis as we hear in surface pressure. Surface Pressure is a song I wrote as a love letter and ode to older siblings everywhere. And so this was um, was really inspired by my own older sister and how strong she is and how tough she is, but how um, how truly vulnerable she is under that exterior. Right, so just as Michelle said, just as you can hear in the song there, what happens if I can't take all this weight? If I falter, right. what's going to happen to the family? What's going to happen to the town? What's going to happen to the miracle? What, yes. I'm not pulling my weight. Yes. Incredibly relatable. Once again, I can't take a day off or relax because if I do, bad things will happen. <laughs> so I can't say no to anything. But man, I sure would love a vacation or I sure would love an extra day off or whatever. Right. But there's a lot of you out there and a lot of people out there just don't feel like I can do that. Because I don't know what's going to happen if I do. Right. You know, and if you talk about the here and now with what's gone on with the pandemic even, and, you know, there are a lot of people who are working remotely and there's always that question, that doubt, 
Am I able to demonstrate to my organization that I have the worth, that I'm still as productive here at home or remotely than as compared to when I was actually, we were all in an office setting and people are there able to see you. And, and I could see where right now that struggle that people go to can definitely link with them the relatability of this so- this song and this character. Yeah, uh, this character actually I related most to you <laughs> very often, especially with your work um, situation and uh, things that go on with you. I, I felt like, oh, oh that that's you have this pressure on you to deliver at your work all the time. And you you do take time off, but still at the same time, it's like there's just so much on your shoulders that you have to carry the weight, including our household, um, but also definitely at your work in general. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, like I said, current times with the pandemic, you know, and certainly working in healthcare is, you know, um, has a lot of components to society. Right. For sure. For sure. So, Mirabelle learns about this is going on and, and and Louisa mentions, you know, I felt my strength go away when the candle kind of flickered mm-hmm. a little bit ago. And so, you know, she has to learn about what's going on and she learns that there was this prophecy by her uncle Bruno who had left a long time ago, you know, so she needs to discover more. So, I guess now we have to talk about Bruno. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So uh, he's Mirabelle's uncle who had the gift of looking into the future through visions. However, some of his glimpses into the future, they didn't quite rub the family and the townspeople the right way. Um, So allegedly he packed up about 10 years ago and just kind of left. Right. I mean, I think it's just, you know, you want to hear about the future to be better. And when you start having people who are more trying to shed light on what's, you know, how they're perceiving things and that if things don't change, how something may not be as positive, uh, that person may not be considered as well liked or called upon. Right. So he ends up taking that on and just kind of leaving. And now, well, they don't talk about Bruno (laughs) or do they? We don't talk about Bruno. No, 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 no. We don't talk about Bruno. is capturing a very specific thing, which is the we're not supposed to talk about that. It's all we talk about. <laughs> Nailed it. He told me my fish would die the next day. Yeah. No, no. He told me I'd grow a gut, and just like he said, he said that no. all my hair would disappear. Now look at my hair. Everyone sings over the same chord progression with a totally different rhythm and a totally different cadence. So it was a really fun way of just getting to know everyone in the family.
now you got that song back in your head again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's interesting how Lynn was talking about the, the all the characters are kind of talking over each other in a different cadence and everything. And again, um, we saw him skillfully do this in Hamilton when the Schuyler sisters were being introduced and, and how each of their desires in life were being brought out and sung at the same time. And it was great that he used that same skill set to add to this film. Yeah, it's something he does actually fairly regularly in his film. He also did it in The Heights. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things that he likes to do, but I love the way he does it. And right. the, man, you know, the fact that you can pull it off, that you have so many different... Uh, characters singing in kind of a different cadence together and yet right. you can make it sound like just not absolute noise. Right. It sounds as melodic as it does and catchy as it is um, I think is an incredible skill for, yeah, uh, for Lin-Manuel Miranda. Anyway, uh, so obviously everybody in town does still talk about Bruno yeah. even though they say <laughs> we don't. They definitely do. Uh, Mirabelle learns that he actually never left. He's living in the walls and the corridors of La Casita. Yeah. You know, uh, even giving himself a place setting on the other side of the dining room wall so he can still have meals with the family in kind of a way, even because he loves the family so much. Right. It's still that desire to be a part of the family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just all the times that he may have felt um, either not appreciated or somewhat rejected for, you know, what he was saying could happen. And right. it was like, all right, we don't, you know, we don't even want to talk about that. And that, to the point to where that we don't even want to talk about him. <laughs> right. And yet that's not where his heart is. Right. I mean, and he, you know, and the much, the thing about him is that, you know, he always wanted to be part of this family, but he would come out and he would just say something and it could be a joke. You know, it could be a vision, but you know, just cause you have a vision of the future doesn't mean you cause the future to happen. So they would blame the message of the townspeople. The family would start to blame the messenger for these things, even though he's just seeing what he sees. It right. doesn't, it doesn't mean he's making these things happen. Right. Well, it's interesting because you know, it's comical. The things that they brought up were obvious things that would happen, but I think it's, you know, symbolic of the fact that there are some people who can, you know, look at something and, and think, obviously this is going to be a problem. Right. It, it needs to be addressed. And, you know, um, I don't want to get into be deep about it, but I do think that happens even within society that sure. you have, you know, um, some, some people s starting to say this could be a problem and it's, you know, they rather not address people in general rather not address it right and know. well i mean like it, the future isn't always perfect let's just say that you know right. it's gonna be but that doesn't mean he doesn't see it um but you know that's the facts and yet abuela alma kind of always wanted her family to be perfect everything to be perfect the town to be perfect everything to be perfect so when his visions of the future weren't perfect that was a problem in the household right i mean i think she recognizing that and it doesn't, I don't think it, it ever gets said, but what I, I kind of took away from it is she doesn't have a power either. And so knowing what Maribel is going through, not having a power here, you're the head of the family and not feeling you have that special magic and then feeling in essence powerless that if something were to affect that magic, you don't feel like you have the ability to, to overcome that, right. you know? And I think that it's, that's why she's like, let me shun him because I, if what he's saying is going to come true, 
I can't control that and there's nothing I can do. So I just don't, I just want to try to keep, let everybody see what's the good, let, you know, let's just keep focusing on that because there are some still strengths within our family and don't worry about those other things mm-hmm. that he's thinking might occur. Right. I don't, and we'll definitely get into Abuela Alma more here in a little bit because there's a lot of what Michelle is talking about here that's going to come up for sure. So, but uh, for Bruno, uh, he he ends up leaving so he wouldn't be such a burden on the family, essentially, and, and because he knows how people perceive him, especially right. his abuela or abuela Alma, not his abuela, his mother, his right. abuela Alma. Uh, he also wants to save Mirabel because one of the visions he has at the end, it, they're not sure of what's going on with the the miracle. And it shows that something's going on with Mirabelle involved with the miracle, but he can't figure out exactly what it means. Is she saving it or is she making it go out? Right. To help save Mirabelle from having this blame placed upon her, which he has already received a lot of himself. Right. He just ends up leaving and, you know, leaving it kind of up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. And you could see that. But like I said, you know, he wants to be a part of the family, but he doesn't feel like he is. Yeah. He shouldered so much of the blame, which is so tragic mm-hmm. because it turns out he's actually one of the most likable characters right. uh, within the entire film. So, so anyway, Mirabel uh, and Bruno, they go and they just go through it and try and find the vision again. And th- what the vision shows them is they extend the vision on when there's a butterfly, which is plays a part in this as well, but also what apparently they need to do to save the miracle is to give his give her sister a hug right <laughs> that's so funny i mean it's again showing where they're trying to bring comedy into this um and showing that difficult relationship the two sisters have and how are they going to how is Mirabelle going to overcome that right so there's been some animosity between Mirabelle and her sister Isabella that you notice uh throughout the film and so Mirabelle goes to try and give her this hug and we kind of discover some things about Isabella on the surface you know everything she appears to have everything going for her she's beautiful graceful and she creates these gorgeous flowers at will Uh, but as we've already discussed appearances aren't always what they seem right uh, because she was the first grandchild born of this incredible family. There's a huge amount of pressure right. on her. Abuela Oma wants everything perfect. So she has to be perfect as well. She has to make right. these beautifully perfect flowers for the town and for the La Casita all right. the time. She always have to keep that always has to keep that perfect appearance. And because they want the family bloodline to keep on and keep this miracle going, she has to marry the perfect right. quote unquote guy. <laughs> But secretly, she yearns to just be herself and cut loose as we find out in the song, What Else Can I Do? Boy, did I have fun writing a rock song with What Else Can I Do? I was really inspired by a lot of the uh, Latin American rock music from the 1990s, which was my era uh, as a teenager. And and just the notion of uh, Isabella really discovering her own power. What can you do when you are deeply mad and truly in the
such a fun song. Right. Yeah. And it shows it's the adorable. fun that she's having when she finally gets to break free of this perfection that she's been having to put out there for right. years and years and years. Right. You know, she's realizing a glimpse of, hey, I can be myself and there's still beauty in it. It may not be uh, what everybody else thinks is perfect, but it's still wonderful. Yes. Um, you know, in that that battle that she's had with trying to be perfect all the time, you know, you, you look at her and you see her through the movie, at least for the first uh, two thirds of this movie or something. And she seems kind of nasty, kind of angry, especially at Mirabelle. She's always, right. you know, snapping at her for various different things, but you kind of got to wonder, I mean, if you were forced to be perfect all the time and then there's your sister who gets away with, well, I mean, not, I mean, kind of just has been pushed on the side, but she can, act quirky and she doesn't need to perform for everybody and right. do all these perfect things, marry the perfect guy or whatever. You can see where there may be a little animosity there. Right. She's probably jealous in some regards of, you know, because when you have something, a power or something like that, right, you, you probably just take it for granted or seeing the, the responsibility that it brings. What is it with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> as we know, yes. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, she's seeing that so much is expected of her and here's Maribel without a power and that therefore nobody expects things right. from her. And, you know, they're like, you're saying animosity, jealousy or whatever of, I, you know, as much as I love being able to have some power, it's, it's a burden, right? It brings so much to my responsibility. And if I could just be myself and not worry about that, I'd feel happy. Right. So she lashes out often at Mirabelle right. throughout the, the film. And I assume even more so before we even got <laughs> to the film portion of it. So you can see why there's a little bit of a struggle between those two characters uh, that's gone on. And why Mirabelle's like, great, I got to hug Isabella. <laughs> we really don't like each other very much. But, you know, as we get through the song, you find out that, you know, this is what Isabella wants is not to have to be perfect. And, you know, she learns this and has a great time with it. That's why the song is so fun that she can put aside this persona of right. perfection. And Mirabelle is there to help her through that. And that is what inspires them to like, you know, she thanks her for it. Right. Thank you for making me see that I don't have to be this person. And they share that hug, that right. embrace. Right. You know, and it's interesting too, like how they made it feel at that first moment that, okay, this act of hugging is what's going to save the house. And yet it's just the beginning of right. what it's going to take. Right. You see, they hug right in front of the candle. It goes, it shines very brightly as bright right. as we've seen it since the very, the very beginning of the movie. So it looks like things are right. But then that leads us to Abuela Alma because right. she comes in, look, this film doesn't have a true villain, quote unquote. Right. However, <laughs> she seems like the closest thing to it for most right. of this movie. All the issues we've discussed from these characters can be tied back to her and the apparent obsession she's had with maintaining the miracle through the perfect family. And she mentions that in the very first song uh, in the family madrigal. We swear to always help those around us and earn the miracle that somehow found us. The town keeps growing, the world keeps turning, but work and dedication will keep the miracle burning. And each new generation must keep the miracle burning. So she feels to keep this miracle going, 
They have to keep working hard. They have to be perfect. They right. have to dedicate themselves to continuing to do this. That causes her to lose a little sight of what's important with her family, more than a little sight. Right. Um, you know, and this is another comparison. I, I, I jotted down when preparing notes for today, and I didn't know if you'd be bringing anything up like this, but this whole feeling of responsibility, not just to her immediate family, but to the community that they're living in. It's kind of like the, you know, you think of Great Britain with the, you know, the royal family. It's, we have appearances that we have to live up to. And it doesn't matter what struggle is going on within the family. When we're out there, what we need to show people is perfection. Right. That's a very good point. It's a, it is a really good comparison there um, as far as what's happening and what they feel that needs to happen right. with this um, and to keep make sure everybody feels safe in this area and make sure that they feel like we can be this because this family is going to keep us right. protected. Right, essentially. exactly. Yes. So, so she discovers Mirabelle and Isabella and Isabella is a mess. She's got all this flower pollen or whatever it is <laughs> all over her. Her hair's a mess. She's not looking like that perfect princess right. that uh, Abuela Alma wants. And now she sees and she gets, just blows up. She loses her top. She blows her top at this whole thing. She, and she starts screaming at basically at Mirabelle and like, this is your fault. The magic is going away because of you. You look at your sister. She's not perfect anymore. Look at your other sister. She's losing her strength. Right. This is your fault. And that's when Mirabelle finally has had enough. Yeah. <laughs> she, bye bye. Yes. She said, look, we'll never be enough for you. Not just me. Neither will anybody in this family. Right. You want such perfection that is absolutely impossible. Right. And that ends up splitting La Casita. That's when the candle ends up melting. Because basically the family is kind of shattered at that moment because they are just so far apart from one another at that one moment. Right, yeah. And, you know, it's very symbolic of, you know, the candle being the magic, which is everybody had the magic in them. And they just, at that moment... Um, weren't seeing it because they weren't wanting to be that surface magic that everybody was supposed to be seeing. And they wanted what was underneath. They wanted to be able to embrace their own true feelings. So it's like, okay, yes, it looks like the magic's gone, but it's just more inward. We're recognizing we want something else. Yes, exactly. That we're, we, we shouldn't have to be this way. You know, we shouldn't have to put up so many false fronts all the time, right. you know, not to be a family anyway. And not that we all put on false fronts from time to time. It just happens. Right. It's just kind of what's necessary. But not to be a family. A family should love each other for who you are, you know, and that's where they were struggling at this moment, especially at least with Abuela Alma. Yeah, it's, you know, again, it's, you know, when we're talking about magical powers, but you could look at it in real life as skill sets. Yeah. So you have skill sets and there's expectations, you're going to use them a particular way. And, and the reality is you may need to be happy by using them a different way or by sometimes not using them, right. just, you know, being away from it. All these gifts are metaphors for other types of personalities within life, you know, that mm -hmm. we're finding out throughout it. And doesn't matter if it's real true strength or just 
strength as a person, you know, internal strength as a person. Right. Um, That is part of what is what the person is made up of. And and it's, you know, it's an interesting glimpse into the family dynamic for sure. Sure. So, so anyway, Mirabelle runs away after the, the casitas, you know, crumbles thinking, okay, yes, it's true. This was my fault. Mm-hmm. She, she runs out, ends up by the waterside where kind of everything actually took place to begin with, where the miracle was found. Right. And she is discovered by Abuela Alma, who finally comes in, gets to her. And she, uh, Abuela Alma kind of finally figures out to one finally that, you know, maybe what she's been doing all this time wasn't exactly the right thing through the help of Mirabelle. And we kind of learn a little bit about what actually happened and how this miracle came about. And it's done through this beautiful, beautiful song called uh, Dos Oruguitas. Dos Oruguitas was really inspired by the animation team and the visual motifs they were coming up with. I was so enchanted by the candle flame that becomes a butterfly, that becomes this miracle. And I thought to myself, well, every butterfly is actually a miracle. They they literally start as caterpillars and transform to become their next selves. So I wrote a song, and it was the first song I wrote beginning to end in Spanish about these two caterpillars who are in love and are hanging on to each other because they don't want to change, but they know they have to change to become their next selves. <laughs> Dos Oriquitas is the song that made me cry the most. It's so beautiful, and I think one of the strongest things about that song is that it is sung in Spanish, and yet when the audience watches the film, because of the images that are married to the song, No matter what language you speak, you understand what's happening. It's a gorgeous song. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. Um, that's gonna be the one that's going to be get the Oscar nomination. By the way, that is the one that they have put up for it. I would, mm. I could go, I've gone, I could go from five songs right. I could put up there for the Oscar <laughs> nomination, but I believe that's the one they're putting up there. So, hopefully, it wins. I Lin Manuel Miranda learned deserves to get an Oscar for this musical soundtrack. Right. I'm I'm digressing a little bit here, but it needs to happen. That song is gorgeous and I want to see it sung uh, at the Oscars. Oh, I know. It'll be, yeah, it'll be a tearjerker for sure. uh, So within this song, we find out that Abuela Alma and Abuelo Pedro were forced from their home uh, with several others from their town as a result of something that is referred to as La Violencia. Now, that is not exactly explained as to what La Violencia is, uh, but Colombia has had a tumultuous past. Uh, Of course, there was the colonization by the Spaniards, you know, many, 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 many centuries ago. Um, Then 
there was revolution. Right. There were several civil wars. So they kind of the production team kind of ended up making this a faceless enemy, essentially, is what they did because they they just didn't want to kind of pinpoint it to any one thing. Right. Um, but it's it's kind of part of Colombia's history. So uh, anyway, Abuelo Pedro eventually kind of gives up his life to help Abuela uh, Alma and the townspeople escape. And his sacrifice is what ends up giving birth to this miracle, to this candle. It gets this candle that Abuela Alma has, and it takes on this magic that kind of comes from that sacrifice. Right. I mean, and maybe I'm way off here, but to me, it looked more like it wasn't that he was giving a gift. No. But that he was letting her know that... <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, that she had the skill yes. to do it. Yes. I, and, I, and that she, with her family, they all have skills, that they are going to be able to be okay without him, that they're going to pass these struggles. Yes, and you're exactly right. And I understand why you got choked up because I get choked up in the movie every single time during this moment. Um, it's like Dos Orguitas, the story of the two caterpillars right. is so important because they basically these two caterpillars that fall in love with one another. Um, but then they have to separate because they're going to go into their cocoons to evolve into their next thing, which is becoming a butterfly. Mm -hmm. But that means they, they have to separate from themselves to evolve, to change into this next being of what they are. Right. You know, unfortunately it's the passing of Abuelo Pedro. Right. But it's the growth and the protection of the family from Abuela Alma to go out and be able to do this on her own. Right, so it's a great right, point, yeah. Michelle. So, um, so obviously she, by doing this, she had to focus. She was so concerned about focusing on her family because she wants to be sure that this, what she feels is the sacrifice by the love of her life to give up his life, to help make this happen, this miracle happen. She needed to keep this thing moving forward, to keep this family moving forward, to keep this town people that she's protected all these years. The miracle has protected all these right. years going forward. Um, and she's afraid of not only will she lose this whole thing, her family and the memory of her husband, I believe is the part of the reason why she's so protective of trying to keep the perfect place up there for her family right well i mean probably too it's the element of if everybody is pulling their weight if everybody's using their talents to the max things should turn out great and for you know and that can be true of anything like you look at in your job for example if you're going to roll out a project you know everybody's coming together and they're putting their best foot forward and getting something to be great and you start to wonder well if if this part starts to falter is it going to fail mm -hmm. and you know for her you know like as the head she can't let that happen so everybody's got to always be on 110 percent mm -hmm. And she's realizing you can't continue that. That's not sustainable mm -hmm. for happiness. And finally, with the crumbling of La Casita and the family being basically torn apart by the whole situation at that moment, mm -hmm. Abuela Alma finally looks within herself and realizes that it's her fault. It's not Mirabel's fault. Right. It's not Bruno's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. She was the one that was holding on too tight and trying to make things so perfect 
and she apologizes for I, this has all happened because of me. Right. It's setting those expectations that are just too demanding. Right. But as always, as we've seen throughout this film, Mirabelle is there to see what is right and what has happened and to help ease the moment and understands what's, what's going on through her abuela's mind and help again, kind of save the day. Abuela. I can finally see. You lost your home. Lost everything. You suffered so much all alone. So it would never happen again. We were saved because of you. We were given a miracle because of you. We are a family because of you. And nothing could ever be broken that we can't fix together. I asked my Pedro for help. Mirabel. up every time um so mirabelle again saves the day shows abuela look this would not have even happened if it weren't for you if you weren't there as the rock of the family to begin with yes you may have got lost in the moment but don't feel so bad about yourself this would never have existed without you right right you know and it's probably too um you know from the standpoint of you know, being the grandmother and looking, you know, for like succession, what does she have? And she's looking for somebody with certain powers too, or talents or however you want to call it. And everybody has great skills, but nobody has shown themselves as a leader with the exception of Maribel, which she can't seem to see. Yes. Which now comes to the point, which I think that you kind of brought to life with me as we were watching it the other night. And that is, you were mentioning how, and you mentioned it earlier in the episode here that Abuela Alma doesn't really have a gift power, whatever, you know, other than that she's kind of held the family together. Right. Now Mirabelle is doing the same thing a couple generations later. Right. You know, that is Mirabelle's power. Essentially, obviously it's the empathy, the ability to see other, but also the ability to keep this family together. And Mirabelle is kind of stepping to me into that role as being the next abuela. Right. You no, know, not, not, you know, abuela really right. means grandmother. She's not going to be a grandmother, but essentially that role the leader, as you know, the leader of ma- the family. Matriarch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And doing it a different way to say, wait, we got to let everybody have freedom, you know, and be happy and use their skills 
in a in a way that brings joy, not just one that is bringing responsibility. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how society has changed yes. too. You know how how you know the evolution of when you talk about work and things like that. That there's this feeling of yes, we can still accomplish uh, our roles and our successes in a in a business, but let's not lose sight of life is short and you know, can we do this differently so that it's not as burdensome? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Correct. So they head back to town and is it a showcase the fact that, you know, maybe even more so that they didn't have to be this perfect family because the whole townspeople show up and help them rebuild La Casita for them. You know, to say, we appreciate everything you've done for us. We don't have the gifts that you had, but we are many, we can come back and we can build this home for you and show thanks for all the things that you've provided for us over the years. Right, right. It's, you know, definitely a a community type of response in this storyline that's important. And, you know, to say, okay, we're not in this house, but we are a part of the community and we're willing to, to, also bear some of the burdens right. that it requires. We love you. You don't have to be perfect for us to love you. you know? Right, right. So again, inspired in, throughout the movie, um, that's kind of what is the the essence of what's going on. And so they get back and they celebrate Mirabelle and they play the song, All of You. Look at this home. You need a new foundation. It may seem hopeless, but we'll get by you just fine. This family, a glowing constellation, so full of stars, and everybody wants to shine. But the stars don't shine, they burn, and the constellations shift. I think it's time you learn, you're more than just your gift. And I'm sorry I held on. So in the beginning of our journey with Disney's Encanto, uh, I said to the filmmaking team, it would be so exciting to kind of create all these themes for all these different family members and then the last song, smash them all together. (laughs) Um, And that's what we ended up doing. So this was a scary one to write. Uh, At the same time, we had done such uh, an incredible job as a team defining all of these characters so clearly that it wrote kind of quickly the ways in which these characters interact and heal and see each other clearly at the end of this film felt so well earned um, that it was it was a joy to to take dictation from them as I was writing this song. Home sweet home, I like the new foundation. It isn't perfect. Neither are we. That's true. Just one more thing before the celebration. What? We need a doorknob. We made this one for you. We see how bright you burn. We see how brave you 
So now Mirabelle finally, she's seen her whole family, what's under the surface right, for them. Right, yeah. She can finally see herself. Right. And uh, the house lights up as you can hear the music now. La Casita is reborn thanks to Mirabelle. Right, yeah. The, you know, the new generation of bringing leadership and recognizing everybody, they're good parts, they're parts that may not be as good, but how can everybody be together and learn to love with one another? Yeah. Love people for who they are, yeah. not just what they expected to be. Right, right. So so that's most of the characters. I want to get to one more character that may not be so obvious out there, and this just may be my crazy thought of what <laughs> goes on here. Well, yeah. But yeah, um, that character is La Casita who is, you know, obviously an interesting character throughout, you know, right. it kind of helps them throughout the entire movie, moving items around, shifting people to where they need to, saving people at some times. I don't think that it's any coincidence that it was built from Abuelo Pedro's sacrifice. That was a big part of it. Or that the picture that is very prominent at many points at the top of the stairs is Abuelo Pedro. Mm-hmm. Just like Pedro's sacrifice protected his family from La Violencia, right. I feel that he is alive within that house. That is the butterfly that he became after going into the cocoon. True. Whenever you see La Casita interacting with the family, right. that is Abuelo Pedro. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so... Just wanted to go over that. Again, that could be just my insane take on the whole thing, <laughs> but I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is. So that's it. We rehashed the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was surprised you were retelling it. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. That's why I wanted to make sure you'd seen it before we go through this, but I feel it's pretty obvious that when you go through this film, it's pretty clear why it's become so beloved so quickly. The animation one is spectacular. I mean, we didn't really talk about the animation, but it's gorgeous right. uh, throughout this film. Uh, we can all relate to at least one, if not many of these characters, we, we, whether we relate to them fully or we, there are at least portions of our life where we felt like many of these characters sure. at a time. Uh, the music has something for everyone. It ebbs, it flows, it's happy, it's sad, it's joyous. Um, and there's a lot more depth into it, as we heard from Lynn. By the way, Lynn, thanks again for joining the yeah. show. Um, <laughs> there's a lot more depth and thought put into it, as I've always found with Lynn's music. You listen to it more, uh, you get more out of it every single time you listen to it. And most importantly, it's all about family, which I think we all want to be able to relate to and how our families are and the love that we have for our families and hopefully seeing our families for who they are. Right, most definitely. And I love that they made the film a musical. I mean... It, it does make it that much more special in how it's delivering the storytelling. And as we've said, Disney has it nailed on how to 
wonderfully tell stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, really well told. Um, and again, the family is what is actually the miracle. And that's what I really appreciate about this film. So we'd love to know what your thoughts are on the film. Send them to us. Um, we will share them on an upcoming show. Yeah. Good job, honey. Thank you. So that is our exploration, <laughs> really, really in-depth yeah. exploration <laughs> of the Disney film in Kanto. Obviously, I love to talk about Encanto, so we need to get to the Disney stories of the week really, really quickly. And I'm going to start with exciting entertainment experiences are getting set to return to the Walt Disney World Resort, including a guest favorite parade. Yes, Yes. do tell. Yes, this is from the Disney Parks blog. They say, hear ye, hear ye. We have exciting updates about when you can experience returning favorites and new entertainment offerings at Magic Kingdom Park, adding even more magic to the world's most magical celebration. It kicks off uh, with on February 11th with a new Disney Adventure Friends Cavalcade, starring nearly 30 of your favorite Disney and Pixar friends. This supersized cavalcade features Nick and Judy from Zootopia, Baloo and King Louie <laughs> from The Jungle Book, Jose and Panchito from The Three Caballeros, plus Merida, Moana, The Incredibles, and more, including the Magic Kingdom debut of Miguel from Coco in his mariachi best. Nice. Yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, also, the Mickey's Magical Friendship Fair will make its debut on the Cinderella Castle uh, four-court stage on February 25th. Of course, this is the show that's kind of coming back. It used right. to be there regularly. Now it's coming back, and it's a little more spiffed up uh, with some new scenes, uh, including some uh, favorite scenes inspired by Frozen, Tangled, and The Princess and the Frog, plus a new opening and a new finale. And Mickey Mouse and all his friends will be out there in their iridescent best. Nice. Yes. Can't wait for that. Finally, the beloved Disney Festival of Fantasy Parade is set to return to Magic Kingdom Park uh, beginning on March 9th. It will be the actual anniversary of its debut, the parade from back in 2014. Wow. Yeah, so that's the day they picked to bring it back will be the actual anniversary of when it debuted. Yeah. So, of course... um, that is a fantastic parade if you've never seen it before. It, uh, it's got uh, features characters from The Princess and the Frog, Tangled, Peter Pan, and more. Uh, and, of course, the big Maleficent Dragon, which yes. is the, probably the mm. landmark of that parade right. that breathes fire and everything. So, so cool. Uh, looking forward to having that come back. Yes. Such great news. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving from the parks to the high seas, we received news of an exciting set of themed cruises that will once again be setting sail aboard Disney Cruise Line in 2023. Again, we go to the Disney Parks blog and they say by now you've already heard about the great destinations Disney Cruise Line will sail to in early 2023, but they are adding yet another reason to trade in your winter blues for the crystal blue waters of the Caribbean and that is Pixar Day at Sea. Yeah, Yeah. that's so fun. I know, I'm so excited when I read There have been, now this will be the first, I think, Pixar Day at Sea. There have been Pixar cruises on the West Coast in the Mm -hmm. past. Uh, This will be the first uh, sailings that will be the Pixar Day at Sea. Right, yeah. That's that's so great that they're bringing that in that format. I think it's going to be another beloved themed cruise that people will want to take. So these cruises will begin next January, 2023 on select seven night sailings on the Disney fantasy uh, that include a day long celebration, excuse me, that is dedicated to the beloved tales of 
Pixar. And here's some of the stuff you're going to get on that day. You'll get character encounters from morning until night. Your family will dance, play, and interact <laughs> with your favorite Pixar pals, including Woody, Buzz Lightyear, and Bo Peep from Toy Story, Mike and Sully and Boo from Monsters, Inc., Joy and Sadness from Inside Out, Doug and Russell from Up, <laughs> and everyone's favorite supers, Mr. Incredible, Elastigirl, and Frozone from The Incredibles. Yeah, yeah, that's so fun. There's also some immersive entertainment, including a new nighttime spectacular that will call upon your family to help the Incredibles save the day. <laughs> a first of its kind theatrical experience will bring to life the beloved story of Miguel and his family from Coco through live music and puppetry. I love Sweet. that. So we're yeah. going to get a, uh, a Coco stage show mm -hmm. by the sounds of it. I'm looking forward to checking that out. And families will also be able to join their favorite characters from the beloved Pixar films for a dance party bash. <laughs> Sweet. Who doesn't want to have a Pixar dance party? Right. Uh, also, there's a new interactive character dining experience hosted by Sheriff Woody, Jesse, and Bullseye, which will kickstart your day with sing-alongs, cowboy serenades, and all the country breakfast fixings. <laughs> And you'll also be able to enjoy a Pixar-themed dinner with dishes inspired by the Pixar Animation Studios California locale. And of course, they still will have conversations with Crush in Animator's Palette, which they have had for right. many years yes. on the Disney fantasy. So uh, those cruises will be from January through March of 2023, departing from Port Canaveral and uh, doing between Eastern and Western Caribbean sailings. Nice. Cool. So that's it for my Disney stories of the week. However, I believe Michelle has a Disney story of the week, which we know will be the best story <laughs> because Michelle always has the uh, best stories. I'm not sure about that. But anyways, this is something that I came across from the OC Register and it it was, uh, I thought, really pretty interesting. It says, Disney has taken one step closer to creating a virtual metaverse at Disneyland um, that will allow the entertainment giant to simulate a digital world with animated characters in a real-world theme park attraction. Ooh, that's cool. I know. So, and the way that this happened was that the Walt Disney Company actually uh, received a patent in December of 2021 uh, that would be for a virtual world simulator. And this is really to help um, everybody, the guests, experience a realistic and immersive 3D virtual world uh, from multiple vantage points without any glasses, goggles, or any other kind of digital assisted devices and that such. So, so. is this, this is in, within attractions or just as when you're out throughout the land? Yeah, I think their their plans are really to use this with attractions. Um, we've seen some types of this uh, projections on buildings and things during some of the um you know, parades or the nighttime spectaculars. But um, what they really want to do here is, you know, rather than have like, you know, a headset or a phone screen, they want people to see these projections on surfaces uh, so that it, it feels more immersive in that regard. So it, it's more real world rather than looking through you know, some kind of a device hmm. of such. Very cool. So, yeah, yeah. We look forward to seeing what they develop with that. For right, sure. right. So um, they said that uh, Disneyland and Disney Hollywood Studios uh, use the AR training actually right now to teach Rise of the Resistant ride operators on how to load and unload, um, you know, into the vehicles and to keep everybody safe. Um, and Animal Kingdom has been testing uh, new windows on the world 
Wild AR experience with uh, Animal Safari Expedition. Uh, it says the, the pilot program combined advanced radar technology with camera monitors hidden in the jungle fo foliage and aerial drone footage to give visitors an up-close look at the safari animals. So they say they go on to say that Disney believes others are going to get into this space, but Disney feels that they want to make sure that they they got this patent first to really be able to expand on what this technology use is going to be applied to. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing what they develop with it. Hopefully, it's very interesting. I'm yeah. We're on the forefront of whatever this is. So right. Exactly. Don't quite so. understand it, but I'm looking forward to checking it out whenever it comes out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be really spectacular. And as they're, you know, developing and improving, you know, whether it's coming up with new attractions or enhancing some of the existing attractions, as we've seen in the past, them them do, knowing that they have this other technology that they're going to be able to tap in on to make the experience is even more more immersive, more more enjoyable. Cool. Well, that's really interesting. So, like I said before, Michelle's stories <laughs> always the best stories. Yeah, Those no. blow mine away. So, really good job. So, no, speaking no. of the best from Michelle, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip. And when we do this, well, we always go with Michelle because obviously she has the best Disney stories. <laughs> she does the best research, but she definitely has the very best tip. So, let's get to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. Well, thank you, honey. Actually, I have to give a shout out on this tip to Amanda. Uh, she is a Disney fan who uh, we got to know through a Facebook group for our, our cruise that we went on. And uh, she shared something that she did that I just thought was so perfect um, that I reached out and, and asked and made sure she was okay that I shared this. And, and she was so uh, generous with saying, yes, uh, I always love to be able to, you know, have people enjoy something more. And so it was her first Disney cruise. Um, and so she wanted to do something for her and, and her daughter that went on this cruise. And what they did, I thought was so unique. She actually um, got a picture mat and put it on the door of her cabin on the outside part so that anybody coming through the hallways could actually draw a little, you know, either signer or give them well wishes. You know, she, she had a, a Sharpie there that she secured that wouldn't dangle when the ship's movements happened. And, um, you know, and I, and I, if anybody's interested, I can share, um, you know, the details of how she did this, but it really was so special that, I mean, people filled the whole, parameter of that um that mat that picture mat and then she took a picture from the cruise of her and her daughter uh with, with goofy and and framed it and it's spectacular looking and as she said it just you know reminds her of the fun time that they had on that and and actually as the cruise was going on they were getting to enjoy the new things that were being added each day so it it was definitely in a lasting type of experience for them. And I just thought, what a great idea um, to be able to enjoy your cruise be during your cruise and afterwards have that great memento. And she said she went to the dollar store. So it's not like she spent a ton of money on this and has such a fabulous souvenir. Yeah, that is a great idea and uh, something you could use for, yes, your first cruise ever. But, you know, if you're celebrating something, it could be a birthday within the family True. or an anniversary or Whatever, you know, your uh, honeymoon, uh, just put it up there and let people, you know, 
sign away at it and right. hopefully uh, have some extra great memories from your sailing. So great yeah, idea. Too. Thank you, so, Amanda. Thank right? you, Amanda. Yes. yes. Very nice. Thank you, Amanda. So great tip. Yes. tip and Amanda's tip. Amanda. Apparently always the yes. best tip. So. <laughs> My tip really quickly is I just want to do a, a quick note about Genie Plus because I know there's still a lot of confusion, mm-hmm. with, for, especially for people who haven't had a chance to use it yet. I'm going to start with, and I'm just going to use... This basic, because we're actually going to go over a lot of this next week, but I want to let you know, in case you have a trip coming up here in the future, that if you are going to check into your Walt Disney World Resort, now you, if you have Genie Plus uh, activated on your ticket or your annual pass, you can start using that no matter what, whether you're staying there or whether you're not at 7 a.m. to uh, start scheduling Lightning Lane attractions. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're looking for the a la carte, the individual lightning lane ones, you need for to, to do it at 7 a.m., you need to have a resort stay booked. That doesn't need to be, you need to actually be in your resort yet. Like you don't have to have spent that last night. If you All have right. a check-in at 3 p.m. that same day, you can still use it at 7 a.m. that day. You just need to have that resort stay tied in with your My Disney Experience app. Good so Because sometimes, I mean, a lot of these lightning lane a la carte will stick around, but occasionally they will go away pretty quickly. Uh, sometimes Rise of the Resistance may not be there for you if you right. don't get it at 7 a.m. So to make it easy for you, um, just go ahead when you're at 7 a.m., whether you're on the road driving there or whether you're at the airport Nine. getting off the plane, um, go ahead. And as long as, again, your resort stay is tied into your My Disney experience, it'll show that you're checking in that day and that will make you eligible to go ahead and use it at that 7 a.m. time. Very good point. So, And if you're at Disneyland, by the way, it doesn't matter if you're staying at a resort property or not. You cannot start doing this until you actually tap in, until you get through the turnstiles into the park. Then you can start using either the Genie Plus or the a la carte. Um, you can start purchasing those uh, once you're in the park. Right. So you don't have to worry about that at 7 a.m. unless you're actually heading into the park at that time. So. Good, good piece of information there. So that's it for this week. As we just mentioned, we're going to be talking a lot about Disney tickets next week. And a lot of that is going to have to do with Genie Plus. Right. Yeah. And a lot of this is going to be with Michelle because (laughs) she does great research. So we're going to get back to more of Michelle's research. So she's going to be doing, talking a lot about Disney annual passes, Disney tickets, Genie Plus, give a lot of information because things have obviously changed over the last several years, right. months, weeks even. Right. I know. It's it's a topic that came to mind mainly because in speaking with different people who are, you know, just returning to the parks now, uh, you can really sense the confusion of, you know, what to do, how to prepare, what to expect. And I just thought, I know a lot of the people who listen to our podcast probably are as knowledgeable, if not more knowledgeable than we are about the ticket system. But I just felt like, you know, it's good to try to do a recap and make sure that there's some some clarity. And as you said, there's things changing. Yeah, I think many of the people who listen to us are regulars, veterans of going to the Disney parks and are on top of things. But there's probably several of you out there that don't have that Maybe you get out there once every couple of years. Maybe you right. haven't been back since the pandemic, you know, and so you need to learn what or, or know what some of the changes are. And so we're here to kind of give you that information. We want to be an information podcast. Right. I know one of the things that broke my heart not too long ago was talking to somebody who hasn't been to the parks in two years. And they actually said it was just so confusing that I couldn't have a great time. Yeah. And I thought, oh. 
want to try so and sad. nip that in the bud if we yeah. possibly do it. So uh, going to get a, get a jump on that. And yeah, of course, we want to be an entertainment podcast, but we also want to, to inform as well. Edutainment. <laughs> Edutainment. <laughs> Sure. So also, we're going to be discussing something that we're going to have that put together. Michelle has actually put this together. I think it's going to be a little fun for everybody. We're going to kind of get this rolling for something that we're going to be putting out in the near future that is going to be very interactive for all of you Hyperion adventurers. Right. I mean, we've enjoyed the interaction with our annual uh, Disney Hall of Fame and so we wanted to continue that momentum with another little fun thing. Yeah. So we'll tell you all about that as well next week. So, but we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our free newsletter. Please sign up for the newsletter. Just another way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. Another way, great way is to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Yeah, what a wonderful bunch of people there and we invite you to add people on that share that same kind of fun and sentiment and positivity yep everybody's invited to come on and join as long as it's positive disney energy we're right. we're all there for you so uh you can also find us on youtube just do a quick search for hyperion adventures podcast hit subscribe you'll know whenever we have a video there and if you ever want to contact us for any reason please hit us up at our gmail account hyperion adventures podcast at gmail.com that's right and as we say every week, we really appreciate it if you tell a friend or family about this podcast. Yes, uh, that's the easiest way for people to find out that this show actually exists and we can build that listenership up and that Hyperion Adventurer family. That's right. Yes, because the family is the miracle. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and you're the miracle for joining us today for another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.